Welcome everyone to the Berkeley Center for Law and Technology's Careers in Tech podcast. I'm your host, Wayne Stacy, and today we're talking about patent prosecution, and in particular, patent prosecution in the chemical, biotech, and life sciences fields. Anybody that's ever been involved in prosecution knows the world breaks down into the, the tech tech and the, the life sciences world, and they do vary. And anybody that tells you that they're exactly the same hasn't been paying attention or that did, maybe they didn't hear the question. But either way, we have uh, two wonderful guests uh, today from Kilpatrick, Townsend, and Stockton. Um, we have Dr. Joe Snyder. Um, he's one of the, the Bay Area's top law firm practitioners, and he's the managing partner of the Walnut Creek office uh, for Kilpatrick. Uh, Dr. Snyder focuses on the patent prosecution and counseling in, in the life sciences, chemical, biotech fields. And um, with him, we have one of the, the newer people to join uh, Kilpatrick, and that is uh, Dr. Roshna Ram. She's an associate attorney at Kilpatrick, um, focusing on chemistry and life sciences. Uh, but we have to tell the whole story. Uh, before turning to the law, she got her PhD from MIT, which, yeah, okay. Uh, more importantly, she got her bachelor's from UC Berkeley. Uh, that's what you need to take away from this entire conversation. Um, so with that introduction, thank you both for, for taking a few, few minutes to, to help today. Thank you, Wayne. Um, and, and Joe, uh, notice I, I didn't, I didn't give your academic background because I didn't see a, a bear anywhere in, in your background. So, <laughs> um, but, but rest assured everyone, um, Joe's background is just as good. Uh, just not quite as Berkeley focused. So with all of that in mind, uh, Joe, you want to tell us a little bit about your practice and the kind of clients you, you end up managing? Uh, <clears throat> yes, thanks, Wayne. Um, so uh, I'm primarily a patent prosecutor, which means basically I'm uh, drafting patent applications and responding to office actions from those patent applications. I also spend a fair amount of my time uh, drafting opinions, uh, which include both uh, non-infringement opinions as well as freedom to operate opinions. And so uh, that, that probably um, takes up the bulk of my, uh, my time. Um, and, and managing um, chemistry and life science clients um, takes a little bit of time. I mean, uh, you know, we, we begin this uh, career, um, you know, as an associate with, with client um, uh, communications, but as we go on and develop our careers, uh, there's more and more client management. And um, it's interesting because our clients are, uh, you know, startup clients kind of, um, in addition to startup clients, we also have kind of mid-level clients as well as large clients. Each one of those bring different issues uh, to the table. Um, you know, a, a startup client, although we may be doing uh, patent prosecution, et cetera, they also bring licensing and, and tech transaction issues as well as maybe trade secrets. And, and so it really gives you sort of uh, all types of experiences. Um, the medium-sized uh, clients might bring employment issues, 
right? So we're able to bring in uh, some employment lawyers to help them out uh, with those sorts of uh, with those sorts of issues. A larger client probably uh, kind of stays in their lane a little bit more with respect to patent prosecution, uh, but they too uh, can bring you know litigation uh, issues to us. So um, knowing when to you know answer the question with our experience um, is good. But do we have to bring in another practitioner who has maybe more experience in that particular uh, area for that for that client? Right. So so Joe, I was going to expand on one of the the projects that you mentioned here, and that's opinions. You talked about freedom to operate and non-infringement. Now in, in the high-tech world, those are, those are rare to see. Um, it's a special day when you find a freedom to operate opinion in the, the computer science world. Uh, tell us a little bit about what that practice looks like in your world, because I think that's really, really different. Yeah, so um, you have clients, uh, uh, CLS clients, chemistry and life science clients, pharmaceutical clients who are developing products. And these products, of course, take a long time uh, and uh, to develop and they have a long shelf life, right? So um, they have to make sure that, um, you know, they have clearance with respect to this product because they're gonna be um, investing uh, millions of dollars uh, both in the development and the clinical trials, which are associated with that product, uh, they have to make sure that there's no third parties out there with patent claims that read on their, their product. So it's up to us to do the searching. Once we have the landscape of that particular product, how do we distinguish our client's product from what's out there. And um, it's, you know, it should be done fairly early in the development of the product because they, they may need to bob and weave, um, you know, with respect, like, let's say it's a, a pharmaceutical formulation. Is there a way to kind of swap out various ingredients or components of the formulation in order to avoid the third party's patents? Well, well Joe, you're kind of at the, the pinnacle of, of your career what kind of projects can an associate expect in in this this area? We expect that the associate comes in and you know get on the ground running. Um, most of our associates, when they begin, have already summered with us, so they get a pretty uh, good flavor of what um, you know what law firms are all about and what kind of projects. Um, but basically, you kind of start them off with um, you know responding to office actions many times. Um, the office action has been prepared, let's say, in a, in a, a larger jurisdiction, such as the U.S. Or, or, or Europe, and then they can use that as a, as a roadmap, um, if you will, for smaller jurisdictions. And, um, and, and so they, they, can, they can learn how to do um, uh, office actions responses to these other jurisdictions, as well as, um, you know, drafting patents. That's our, kind of our bread and butter drafting patent applications. Uh, many of our clients will file these patent applications in five, six, seven different uh, jurisdictions. And so, um, you know, that, that will be then prepared. So th those, are the th you know, those are the bread and butter of our patent, patent practice, and that's what they can expect to, to do early on. Well, one question that often comes up uh, is, interaction with clients you know in some practices you may be 10 years into your career before you ever get to talk to a, a client unsupervised or unchaperoned 
Um, how does this field field work and how does it vary by client size? Yeah, uh, we'd like to get our associates, you know, right in there with the clients uh, as, as soon as possible. Now, over the last couple of years with COVID, there hasn't been that much, uh, of course, in-person communications face to face, but of course we're using Zoom and, and, and um, you know, telephone. Um, and, and the, you know, and, and the associate needs to learn to, uh, to talk to the client and um, client communications are very important. And so we try to do it very early in their career. Um, there's no reason to kind of wait and, and, and learn to talk to the clients. Um, you know, so, so we, we press them in um, and, you know, just the importance, Wayne, of client communication can't be overstressed, right? Um, you know, the client uh, is basically um, allowing us, you know, to, you know, to, to, to protect their most prized assets. And so, um, you know, timely communications are important and frequent uh, communications are important. And, um, you know, and, and not, uh, you know, most of the time, um, you, you get a very good relationship, working relationship with your client. And, and so, you know, you, you, you pick up the phone, you tell them what's going on. Uh, there may be issues, there's prior art issues that have to be discussed. They then uh, may talk to their, um, their, their scientists, their, um, you know, those folks in the lab who are, who are down there doing the work. They may have seen the references already. And so they know what the distinguishing aspects are with respect to those references, so um, so it's important that um, that the that the associate learns how to communicate with the with the client uh, early on in in their career. Well, Roshan, a couple of questions for you. We've got students with a, a PhD in the life sciences, and they're looking at career options. What questions would you recommend that they they ask? Once you're talking about specifically the law students that are yes. already in your program. Yeah. So they've made the decision, obviously, to become attorneys. Um, so when I was trying to decide which law firm to join, for example, um, I was very much in the same position. I don't have any attorneys in my family. Uh, they're mostly doctors and scientists. And so I did ask around for advice. And I think some of the best advice that I received, which actually led me to joining Kilpatrick Townsend, came from one of the adjunct professors for one of my antitrust and IP classes. And he said to think about two different factors, which uh, seemed pretty important. One was um, pick a place on a very practical level with offices that are close to where you want to live. And for me, I was living in Albany. I have kids there and I have a house there. So um, one of the advantages of Kilpatrick Townsend is it has both the Walnut Creek office where Joe is working um, and that's a reverse commute by car. And then it also has the San Francisco office which you can get to by ferry, by BART, by the Transbay bus. So it was very convenient in that sense. But then also um, the second factor was to pick a place where you'd get the best training. Um, and I think for me, you know, even when I was doing my postdoc, which incidentally was also at UC Berkeley, <laughs> I, <laughs> I knew about Townsend, Townsend and Crew. Um, it had been a pretty well-known um, patent prosecution, life sciences practice, even back then. And uh, once, you know, 
it merged to form Kilpatrick, Townsend, and Stockton. I knew that a lot of the partners had been there for a very long time. So it would be a great place to get trained by people that have been doing this work for a very long time. That is, that's great advice that's often overlooked. The first, I don't know, five years of your practice are really an extension of your education. And uh, the most important thing is extending your education. You need to learn. That means good work. That means good mentors. Um, so that's that's great advice on that front. Um, a little more basic question is, you know, some students struggle with how do they understand the difference between uh, a life in patent litigation, life sciences patent litigation, and life sciences patent prosecution. And is there a, a good way for for students to try to understand the differences in those? career paths, because it's it start for those of those that know what it looks like. But when you're starting this journey, they don't look that different. So how do you how do you help them ask the right questions? Uh, I'll let Joe answer. <laughs> <laughs> I yeah, always knew that, I wanted to do prosecution. Yeah, so. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So so there are there is a big difference between patent prosecution and patent litigation, right? So, um, you know, so, so a client, life science um, uh, client um, has, you know, a patent portfolio um, and that patent portfolio, um, you know, um, is, 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 comes about by drafting patent applications and prosecuting those patent applications around the world, right? And it, they're very discrete projects. A drafting a patent application for an associate may take like, uh, you know, 30 to 35 hours to draft, right? And it's, you know, it's very concrete that that 30 or 35 hours might come over a weekend, possibly if, if there's going to be a presentation or something like that. But typically, um, you know, it's, it's done during normal work hours and, 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 and um, very discrete projects, whereas patent litigation comes out of the blue. And, um, you know, many times it's like th th things need to get done on a very, very rapid pace. So it's like, you know, working, um, you know, very rapidly to get the answers uh, complete and the, the briefs done. There's these very tight timelines that need to be complete. So, um, so it's, it's, it's different in that, um, you know, that, that the, the timelines for the for the uh, work product um, are, are, are very different, um, you know, but some folks like the very rapid pace of patent litigation um, and some folks like more of a, a very discrete projects of patent prosecution, right? So those, those are the main differences uh, with respect to that. Um, those two, they, they're, they're very, uh, they, they're complementary, but they're, they're very different. So I'll tell you, if you listen to enough of these podcasts, you'll figure out my entire background. But the, uh, the little nugget for today is I started my career, I was assigned to the patent prosecution group. And after about 18 months, they kicked me out and told me I was too disagreeable to be a prosecutor. <laughs> I needed to go work with the litigators. And I spent the next 20 years being a trial lawyer. So at the time, I thought that was terribly offensive. My wife's like, yeah, we all knew that. So uh, there you go. That's a big difference. I, um, 
I didn't understand that the, the two paths going in and they're, they're just different and they match different personalities. So in, in addition to that, Wayne, um, you know, the patent prosecutor is in front of the USPTO, the examiner and, and possibly, um, you know, the PTAB, whereas the, the, the patent uh, litigator, of course, is in, uh, is in federal court, um, sometimes in a state court, uh, but may, most of the time in federal court. So that that also, um, you know, where the where what forum um, is, you know, the, between the two different disciplines are, are much different as well. Well, if you're a patent litigator and you've wound up in state courts, you're probably going to get fired pretty quickly. You've, you've <laughs> I was made thinking, a mistake. <laughs> I was thinking more maybe for ownership issues. Right. You know, yeah. Um, well, well, Rosh, I want to give you the the last question. In you know, in this life sciences world, there's kind of this unique group. Of, of scientists out there that are either looking at law school or looking at becoming patent agents uh, to bring that expertise into the patent world. What would you what would you tell that group of individuals as they start exploring a career in, in patent prosecution? So um, again, we're talking about people that have already there they have science backgrounds and yeah. they're trying to decide whether to become patent agents or attorneys. Yes, Is that right. Okay, so. Um, I mean, it, it's definitely helpful to have some experience working, um, I'd say, either in a company or with some tech transfer office, you have a feel for um, the type of work that you might wind up doing, because as most law students know, law school is very fast. <laughs> you know, pretty much after the first year, you're starting to make decisions about law firms that you want to join or specialties that you want to be in. So, you know, having the time to actually talk to people or understand what you're going to do is definitely an advantage. Um, I, I think there are some fundamental differences between the science world and the, the law world, um, both things that would appeal to scientists as well as would just be a, an adjustment for scientists. Um, one big factor is I, I think when you're doing science research, you focus very much on one project or one area, whereas in patent prosecution, you know, you do do deep dives in a lot of different projects. So you might be working on many different areas. Um, and that can be an advantage because you're getting this bird's eye view of everything that's going on in the science community, which is pretty cool. And especially from a global level, but um, you also have to learn to, you know, manage different types of projects. And I think that's where, you know, your writing abilities and your communication abilities really become very important because you realize not only you are dealing with multiple projects where you're, you know, you might be debating something very precise, like, you know, in figure two lane X, you know, you show this and therefore our claim can be broader. Or, you know, there's this very specific definition in some materials and methods of some prior art document that helps you teach away from what you're trying to patent. And so being able to do that with multiple projects and juggle that is, it's a skill that you need to develop. And, um, and so you, I think that's why you, you spend a lot of the time at the beginning uh, editing and revising <laughs> what you're doing because you have to be able to convey information very concisely yet completely. And you realize that all of your clients are dealing with the same problem too, because the tech transfer people, the GCs, all of these folks are also dealing with lots of complicated issues coming in. Um, but you know, it, at the same time, you do get this very interesting perspective on what's happening in the science community that you don't 
get when you're just working on one specific area. So it's, it's an interesting area to go into for sure. Well, wonderful. Thank you. Thank you both for trying to, to help uh, young attorneys and, and students and those considering becoming lawyers navigate this path. There's just not a lot of information out there about the life sciences field, you know, the, the tech tech world kind of sucks the oxygen out of the, out of the room sometimes. And that's just can't be. So thank you. Thank you, Wayne. Yeah, thank you, Wayne.